You are listening to the Walk After Falling podcast. I don't know what kind of struggle you're going through. I don't know what the situation may be, but you serve a mighty God. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Walk After Falling podcast. I'm here with my girlfriend, Catherine, and my name is Julian. We're ready for this. This yes, is exciting. <laughs> I'm super excited to have somebody who has been one of my best friends in the past, like what, almost four years now, um, that we had worked together, and then uh, now you're off working at Soul City, doing some amazing things, and I'm so happy to introduce this person who has been another soul-giving friend. Um, so I'll let her introduce herself, and then we'll just take it from there. Let's go. What's yeah, your name? Yeah, hi, guys. Yeah, <laughs> I, I should probably start with that. That's the best part of an introduction. So my name is Courtney, and yeah, like you said, it's it's crazy how time flies. I think it might be even more than four years, because we met at Trinity way back in yeah, the day. Yeah. You're, you're a little bit, you're pretty old, so oh, I was a freshman when goodness. you were a senior. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> But and you graduate right? You graduate. I think we overlapped for a semester, but then yeah, I got to work together yeah. in in Trinity Trinity Admissions, the golden days. Man. So here we are now. It's crazy that what? we're recording this podcast all these years later. What's the saying again? From uh, is it the office? You never know what. Oh gosh, yeah, you, we love that quote. Um, I wish there the was a way days. to know that you were in the good old days before you leave them or exactly. before you left them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we have we we still, um, you know, see each. Well, I mean, now we can't see each other from time to time, but we uh, we went on a couple different trips that were awesome with Brittany and Tyler. Oh, yeah. Um, so we've had a lot of uh, chances to really. Um, get to know the depth of of who you are as well. Um, and that's why I wanted to bring you on this podcast because you've been somebody who I feel like you work so hard all the time and you are you 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 do you work so hard, but I feel like you need to show a little bit of who you are. We want to know more of who you are, Courtney, and that's why you're here. We want to know what you're walking through, <laughs> but let's start yeah. off with how you're doing during this time. How, how's everything going with COVID and just like at church and pivoting, um, to doing everything online, like you were saying, doing everything live and online. Yeah, I think it's, it's been fascinating because you, you both know me. And for those of you who are tuning in that don't, uh, to know me is to know that I love plans and I love calendars with color coded invitations <laughs> and all of the things. And so COVID just kind of snuck up and changed all of the best yeah. laid plans. And so that was just a really good exercise for me. I like to hold things tightly and it was just this huge, like, exercise in holding things with open hands because everything had to shift and mm -hmm. I had no control over it. So from a professional standpoint, you know, it was, it was a, a great reminder from God in this is not my ministry. This is not something that I have power over. And all these false, all these little things that gave me a false yeah. sense of control, my planning, my outlines, blah, blah, blah. God was like, all right, well, <laughs> just, just a casual pandemic related reminder that you actually aren't in the driver's seat. So that's been interesting and challenging and ultimately good as far as the lessons that are coming from it. Yeah. Um, 
And then just on a personal level, I think my my friend Beth said it best. She was like, some days we crush it and some days crush us. And mm. that's called balance. Wow. And I was like, yep, that pretty much sums it up. Like <laughs> some days I'm up and I'm like, go for a run and like cook something and read. I don't know. And then the next day I eat like an entire bag of salt and vinegar potato chips <laughs> and I'll look around and realize that my apartment looks like a scene from Animal House oh or something. Goodness. And I'm like, how did we get here? <laughs> so it's, it's both and and that's just transparent. <laughs> wow. And are you still on the move a lot? Like I know um, you guys uh, do a lot of like different recordings, you know, um, like, are you home more often now? Because I know when you first moved into your place, you were really never there, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. So I'm home a lot more often, um, aka all the time. <laughs> and it has been so interesting. We go in and do very socially distanced, safe recordings mm-hmm. a couple <laughs> times. Well, particularly on, on Wednesdays once yeah. a week. but. The other times I am working my full day from a studio apartment. So that's been also very interesting because at this point I'm like, oh, this is so exciting. Like what corner of the room am I going to today? The kitchen (laughs) corner, the bedroom corner, the couch? Like, ooh, let's let's roll the dice and see what happens. Oh, my gosh. Man, I know. And it'll put a lot of things in perspective, too, and make you realize like – how much of a different world it is when you do get slowed down a little bit more. And sometimes it might feel like you have a lot more to do because I, I, that's like the common theme. I feel like we're on more video calls than anything nowadays, but it's still like, and some people still don't get the concept of like personal space. I feel like, cause they feel like now that you're home, they can call you at any time, which yes. is, <laughs> which is probably good in a way. Cause we're connecting, but you still need that sense of like, being slowed down a little bit and like taking into perspective where you are right now. Um, so now that we know how you're doing, I want to take it back to, so our listeners and everybody can know a little bit more about who you are as a person, your walk in faith, um, and your time as an athlete. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from and how you got to maybe Chicago. Yeah. And I'll, I'll keep that part condensed because you you also know me and I'm <laughs> I'm a chatter I can go off on a good story for a long time so the cliff notes version is grew up in Wisconsin uh, ended up going to college in Chicagoland and then once I got there just really loved the area loved the community that I built and stuck around after graduating uh, to work with you at our mm-hmm. alma mater at Trinity um, and while I was there at Trinity I guess I should add that part because you mentioned that um, running has been a huge part mm-hmm. of my life and um Athletics in general, but particularly running has been a big thing that has shaped my life and my story. And so then after Trinity, started working at Soul City and we're at present day. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that was super condensed. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I maybe too condensed. I don't know. It's it's your podcast. You tell me. I'm, I'm here to... You're good. No, that that's good. We we always want to know a little bit about kind of, you know, where the person is from, just so the, the listeners get a sense of who they're talking to or who they're listening to. And, you know, um, a little bit about your story. So tell us about like growing up because you, you grew up in faith, right? Your parents set that as a foundation for your life growing up. Tell us a little bit about how that walk has been for you. 
Yeah. So I grew up, like you said, in the church. It's kind of funny because my, especially my mom's side of the family, like my parents were um, Christian educators. My grandpa was a pastor. All my uncles were pastors. Mm. My grandma's Christian. Like, <laughs> th- like my family was basically a church in and of itself, <laughs> it felt like. So yeah, it was, it was something that I was immersed in. And I think actually for a lot of years, especially as an adolescent, I was like, oh gosh, how boring. Like I grew up in the church, blah, blah, blah. But I think the older I get, the more, I, I cannot remember for the life of me who it was, but I was listening to a sermon or a podcast or something by someone who was saying like, that can be one of the most powerful testimonies just simply because it points to God's faithfulness of like, I was with you in the beginning and I'll be with you till the end. Mm. And so I've grown to, to love that, that part of my story. And, um, so I knew that it was important to me. I I really wanted to go to a place, AKA Trinity, where Mm -hmm. I could continue to pursue and and grow in that faith and be in a community where people shared that value and really found it there, which was transformative and really just foundational to who I am present day. And I think especially I, I went into a Christian college mm-hmm. a little bit cocky, like <laughs> I've, you know, done this for so many years. I've sat in on all the Sunday school classes and blah, blah, blah. Like yeah. I know this. And so we had to take a couple of required courses at Trinity mm-hmm. and I, yeah, sat down on the first day being like, can't wait for you to tell me what I already know, professor. <laughs> <laughs> and then ended up the professor just totally uh, Dr. Sturkenberg actually oh, wow. and okay. he just totally rocked my perspective on faith and the deeper meaning of scripture and how God wants to show us so much of himself um, and grow in relationship with us through that and mm. so yeah my cockiness lasted maybe like <laughs> a few minutes into the class <laughs> yeah. and then um, that was a big game changer for me as far as realizing like what the depth of a relationship with God could look like lived out wow Wow, that's so good because, you know, I had, uh, we talked to another person from Trinity and she had the same experience um, with Dr. Tianto and we kind of talked a little bit about, you know, you think you know something going in or you think you know, like for me especially, I grew up in church too in my whole life and you you think like the theology classes are going to be the easiest thing walking in there and Mm -hmm. I remember I did so bad on a paper and he just showed like me so much grace in that. And, and just made me learn and take that away. So I, I just love uh, hearing the stories of how everybody's situation was different, even for us who, you know, we think we know because we've seen it all our lives, but there's still so much to learn, so many areas in our life to learn. And I feel like for you, you, you touched on it before we got on the call, um, you know, uh, being your Enneagram number. You know, tell us a little bit about that and how that has played a role in your life now knowing what it fully entails and what it means. Yeah, absolutely. So I had never even heard of the Enneagram until I started attending Soul City post-college. And I remember joining a small group and everyone just kept saying that word, the Enneagram, the Enneagram. And, you know, I was new to the small group and new to the church. So I was super embarrassed to be like, what are you talking about? Because it just felt like something that was so commonplace that they all knew. And so eventually mm-hmm. after a couple of sessions, I remember working up the courage to be like, Hey, um, you know, can someone actually tell me what that is? And <laughs> it, um, has been really, really just a great tool for explaining 
explaining different things, helping me understand, yeah. I think, different parts of myself and being able to live into healthier sides of my personality because uh, I am a three. Mm. And the Enneagram. And so for those of you who are familiar with it, you would know um, that for those of you who aren't, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about it. Yeah. Um, a three, the, the label for that number is is the, the quote unquote achiever. Mm. And it's really, I mean, all of the numbers are very interesting to be. But for me, being a three, it's just very interesting to see how that plays out in both health and unhealth. Because mm. when I am at my most healthy self, I am, you know, being really authentic and I can be vulnerable and show up, um, just as I am and work hard towards something and kind of rally yeah. other people around working towards that too, and just really motivate and, and inspire towards a cause. But then when I'm unhealthy, the mm-hmm. flip side is that threes can be really competitive and comparative and have workaholic tendencies and just tend to find a lot of value in what they do rather Mm. than who they actually are and who God created them to be and just have a really, uh, a really strong propensity to want to control other people's perceptions. So you want to project all of the positive things that are, that are about yourself into the world and hold back the negative and be like, Oh, I want to disclose that because it might make you think less of me. And that can be really exhausting. So that's both the positive and the negative side. Mm -hmm. And I love the Enneagram. I am a four, but I have a very strong wing three. And I feel like Mm -hmm. a lot of that also has to do with being an athlete. I was a swimmer. And so that competitiveness and that achievement and goal orientation as athletes is like so drilled into you from, from day one. Like when you go into practice, like you're, especially with sports like running and swimming, where you have like a very clear time that Mm. you want to get, or you have like a clear place that you want to get in a race. And so it's like those goals, those goals are clear and you are working towards that. And so what is kind of your relationship with running? Like how, how is that related to you being a three? Yeah, it's, it's crazy how big of a part, even when I was reflecting on this to, to do this podcast with you guys, I was yeah. thinking, gosh, I never realized how he, I mean, I did, but it's always, whenever I revisit it, it always shocks me hmm. how big how big a piece of my story it is and how much it's, yeah. how much it's really shaped me. Mm-hmm. So I started running when I was five and yeah. that's, you know, over, over two decades that that's been a huge, a huge yeah. chunk of what I do and who I am. And so my whole life, I just kind of had a, a natural propensity towards it. And so the older I got and the more competitions I entered and then, you know, factor in like competing in high school, then going on to do it in college, there was just this huge weight that I felt around it because I mean, and I think that this ties to so many things mm-hmm. in my life yeah. of, Oh my gosh, I've been told that I'm good at this. People expect me to be good at this. Mm. I find so much value and identity in what I'm producing mm-hmm. in how well I am doing and, you know, to, to crush a race and have a really good time, just made my self-esteem rocket. And mm-hmm. then, you know, <laughs> those, those bad days, those bad races were just this huge, like, who am I anymore? You know, and especially as an an adolescent who's trying to figure all that out to begin with. Um, there was so much of a tie between how I was doing and how I felt about myself. And that spilled over into all areas of my life outside of athletics. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. And I was looking a little bit about just kind of, you know, the things that we touched on too, 
And when they're not healthy, it says a three and not, not to, not to define you so much as a three because <laughs> to me, you're, you're Courtney, but, um, you know, it talks about having a need to ask for help in areas like, you know, you have a hard time doing that when, when you are falling into that category. Has that been something that you deal with it, asking for help from people? Be, I, because we know like it, me, especially knowing um, you in, in the workplace and just being on top of everything, you know, you take on a lot of stuff and, and then you continue to say yes. And that might go into, you know, wanting to uh, not let people down. But do you feel like you're letting people down when you have to ask for help? A little bit. Yeah. I think maybe, and I think you touched on it really well. I mean, I'm a three, but I'm also Courtney, right? So I think that the Enneagram is super helpful in providing a framework of understanding for who we are, but then there's also just some things that are incredibly inherent to our personalities Mm. and to who God created us to be so that they can't be explained or defined or or boxed in Mm -hmm. by blanket statements on the Enneagram. And I think, yeah, maybe that's a three thing, but maybe that's just a huge part of Courtney (laughs) that I I do really struggle to ask for help. And it's funny because, um, you have probably experienced that in many situations more than more than other people in mm-hmm. my life having worked so closely together. But yeah, I love to say yes. I love to take on and then to say, hey, I, I agreed to this. I took this on, but actually I'm going to need you to carry some of that burden with mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Feels like this failure of, oh, I couldn't handle it. I didn't measure up to the task in front of me. And I'm very, I'm developing a lot more of a healthy mentality around that. But for so many years was a huge struggle and will be my lifelong work to continue (laughs) to combat that. But absolutely. I think, yeah, I would rather for a long time, I would rather stay till 10 PM and work on a project than just turn to someone and be like, Hey, I need you to do these six Mm. things for me before the day is over. Wow. And I also have a question just kind of about like, when when people offer help to you mm. like what is your response to that is it automatically you know like denying that you need it and because I know sometimes like when people offer to help me I kind of see it as like well what do what do you think I need help with and then it's like well then I <laughs> yeah. see everything that's wrong with it or something I'm doing wrong yes. and that just goes to show you know how much of a story we can make up about just like the smallest things people yeah. say to us but what is your response when someone offers you help Yeah, I think, again, that's something that I've grown into more health. Now, my response most frequently is just gratitude, Mm. especially in a crazy season right now of COVID and a pandemic. I just feel like there is a certain sense of surrender in that where our, um, you know, our mentality towards a lot of things shifted. And so especially in this season, I'm like, yes, help me, like, take it, whatever you need to do. But um, in particularly unhealthy seasons of my life, I think there was a lot of shame in people asking, you know, can I help you? And shame is is really interesting for me because it was totally never something that I even imagined that I struggled with wow. until I, I heard someone define it and it just clicked for me. Um, someone defined it for me as the gap between, you know, we have these mental projections of what we should be doing, how we should be living, what we should be achieving, and then where we actually are at present and mm. shame is the gap between the should and the are. Wow. 
And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, as a three, as Courtney, as whatever. I just, I struggle with that. And, you know, when I say I would do something, that's this should in my brain of, I should be able to handle it. I said yes to it. I I totally can do it. And then for someone to ask for help, there was a lot, I've had to do a lot of work to not have my first reaction be shame of like, oh, there's that gap. There's someone pointing out that gap between what I thought I should do and where I actually am and what I'm actually capable of. Wow. Wow, man. And and that's the thing is, is learning how to, and I, I don't, and maybe you can answer this a little bit more, but before, actually, before I get into that, one last part of that three part question, I'm going to call it, what do you feel, what do you feel like <laughs> is the hardest thing for you to ask help for? Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, that is a, and it could be really anything, it could be question. anything in life. Like right now that maybe you see a theme, but what is the hardest thing you feel like you you need to ask help for? Mm. I know it's broad. I, I feel like the hardest thing for me, I'll just go with in general, the most prevalent. Mm. I, I think it's just really hard for me to ask for help in the workplace because Mm. being a three and having what I do be so strongly tied when I'm not watching it and not being cautious about it, the, what I do being so strongly tied to who I am and what I'm worth. Mm -hmm. I struggle to ask for help professionally because I'm so passionate about my job and my work. And that's a huge part of who I am and what I offer to the world. And so to ask for help in that arena. And again, that like comparative side of me when I have to ask someone else to do it who can you know do it better than me I'm Mm. like oh (laughs) my gosh I don't measure up like what the heck and so just anything professional is is a a tough a tough arena for me to to raise my hand and say please help me and yeah no that that makes sense and the reason I ask that is because as a runner you know as being a runner and actually we just got done um I put myself through the horror of watching (laughs) (laughs) this show or this movie documentary free solo on Hulu about the, about this guy who like a free solo or like he's a rock climber and he free solos or he decided, he decided to climb up El Capitan in Yosemite, like free solo. So like my palms were lit, literally (laughs) sweating. He's like, I don't know why I'm so nervous. And I'm like, because you're watching this movie. I was like filled with anxiety, like half of the day because I like, I I don't know. I got into this whole like rabbit hole of the YouTube videos about scary bridges (laughs) and places. And then I put myself through that. But I say that so because that's that's the kind of thing where it's and he and and Catherine mentioned like he's a three. I feel like I feel like he's a three on the Enneagram. <laughs> and then it kind of brought us to like, oh, yeah, we'll ask Courtney like what she thinks about this and that. But to say I say that all to say this. And when you're in a in a um, sport like that or when you're doing something where it's solo, mm-hmm. you have all the control in every inch that you're running every mile that you're we know there's a lot of things that go around it but from the training to getting yourself mentally prepared I mean you've run in the last two years two marathons you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so tell us a little bit about that like you know not being controlling but when you're in that place like knowing like you are in control of your outcome to a certain extent yeah, I that's such a good question because I I told you before we recorded this, you know, running has informed God has used that as a tool to teach me so much about myself and also who he is. And so I think 
it's it's really tempting in a quote unquote so you know take away the relays take away whatever mm-hmm. else to, to just run a race on your own yeah. yeah there is so much temptation to put a lot of self pressure and just really um be so tough on yourself mm-hmm. in that situation and i think i think the tough part about it especially for a three is you know if something goes wrong you are the only person who you can blame. And so it's so easy to go down that rabbit hole of self-destruction because you're like, well, I did not do well at this. I am the, I can look to the left. I can look to the right, but really, you know, it's just me in this. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I didn't perform. And then that, that thought of I didn't perform automatically triggers, like whether it's consciously or subconsciously, this like I'm what am I worth if I didn't perform? Mm -hmm. I so relate to that. And like every, every like end of season meet that I would have that I didn't do as well as I wanted to, you know, you go back to those moments in practice where you're like, you made the decision to slack off instead of push through. And then you just get so down on yourself. Like, and you just, then you think like, well, what, what if I had done that? And why didn't I? And like, why wasn't I strong enough? And why am I not strong enough? Hmm. And like you said, it just goes down that whole like shame spiral. Wow. Yes. That's a great, that's a perfect way to describe it. When left unchecked and when there's a lack of self-awareness around those pre-existing tendencies, that shame spiral can be just real deep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Man, that's so good. That's so good. And a little bit about that too is, is that you mentioned a little bit about the comparison. You find yourself comparing to other things. And this is another thing we talked about, like working through and breaking through that you know, um, the constant comparison and, and in it within finding yourself, like, can you touch a little bit about your walk in that? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really tempting for, for me personally, just to, like I just said, look to the left and look to the right and measure my worth and who I am based on where I am in comparison to my perception of other people's successes. Mm. And I think, not, I think I know in the, in the past, in the past year, something that God has, has really just brought to the forefront of my attention through running is, um, so I started, like I mentioned, I started running with my dad when I was five mm-hmm. and my dad was an avid runner his whole, his whole life pretty much. And so he was super psyched when I just thought it was the coolest thing. Yeah. He would get up for early morning runs before work and he'd walk past my bedroom and I'd be like, Hey dad, dad, like, <laughs> can I come with you? And he'd be like, yeah, sure. So <laughs> I would get up and I, I very vividly, I was so young, but I vividly remember the first time going with him. And he was like, okay, if we're going to do this, I'm going to teach you the right way to do it. And I'm going to teach you form Mm. because he said, your form determines how you'll run your race. And that has always stuck with me. It, I just think it's an incredibly profound truth, not just for running, but for the posture that we take into our journeys Mm -hmm. is that our form determines how we run the race. And as someone who has lived in this, you know, someone who's not as avid of a runner would never pay attention. But <laughs> if you, one thing that's really important that my dad taught me right off the bat is keeping your, your arms when you run in line and moving straight forward. Mm. It's really easy to, to start moving your arms even ever so slightly mm. across the front of your body. And it seems like such a small and, and meaningless 
diversion from yeah. the correct form. But really, the truth in that is doing that over the course of an entire race will at, at very least slow you down pretty significantly and leave you feeling way more exhausted at the end than you needed to because it makes your body, your your form, it takes your body side to side yeah. instead of moving forward with that momentum. And so you exhaust yourself with cross lateral movement instead of forward movement. Yeah. And so as I was on a run a few months ago, I just very vividly heard God being like, you do this, like Mm. you do this as a person, you have so much, you allow so much cross lateral movement (laughs) of your heart and your mind and your soul into your life where you're looking side to side to see like what else is going on when I need you to stay in your lane. I need Mm. you to move forward. I need you to keep your form and your posture straight and aligned in, in the right direction, mm. because as, I mean, at the very least, like I said, it slows you down and exhausts yeah. you in running your race. And at the very most people who do that consistently can actually get terrible injuries and it can take them out of the race altogether. Wow. Mm-hmm. wow. Yeah. And, when and you, I don't, yeah, I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. And when you notice yourself kind of taking the, that lateral movement or looking side to side, like what is a damaging thought that you tell yourself in those times? Yeah, I think a damaging thought is just, it's really easy for me to analyze what other people are doing. And then the damaging thought is just like, oh gosh, they look like they're doing well. If I'm not doing it that way, then maybe I'm not doing well. Mm -hmm. And then it drives me even further down that spiral of pushing myself and exhausting myself and, and trying to out achieve, which is just ridiculous and unnecessary and not what is intended for any of us. Yeah. And I think there's, there's kind of two ways. I feel like, I mean, not just two ways, but in general, when you are kind of pushed up against you, either, you either lean into that or you kind of let it push you over. And so I feel like what you're saying is like, well, when I'm feeling that way, I'm going to achieve even harder. So like, I'm going to prove it wrong. And then that way, like maybe this thought won't be true of me. Yes. Yes. And I think, you know, circling way back to the beginning of our conversation Mm -hmm. that has not only applied to running, but I think that that has informed in an unhealthy way for a lot of years. um, So much of my walk with God too, because growing up in the church, I heard repeatedly ad nauseum, you know, grace, Mm. grace, grace, and all this grace that God has for us. Mm. But at the end of the day, I think it was this big realization when it clicked in my mind, like, yeah, you hear it, but you're not accepting or understanding it. And you're still viewing grace as something to achieve rather than something to receive. And my whole posture and form has changed from that realization. It's like, I hate that it rhymes because it feels really (laughs) cliche and catchy, but it's true. Like it's not something to achieve. It's truly something to just receive with, with open hands. Wow. That's really good. That's, and, and do you feel like for people, I mean, people are, we're so different, you know, from one another, but do you feel like when you, when you talk about running, there is that form But when you talk about faith, do you think everybody has a different form or do you think there is there is a there, you know, a a universal form for all of us? Yeah, such a great question. And I mean, logistically, the runner in me is like, there is only one correct form. (laughs) (laughs) But no, from from the sense that you are asking from Mm. a a faith based perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And 
I think that every, I, I know every single person has a unique form and that's why I love what you're doing here with, with this podcast. Cause I just think, gosh, the greatest thing, the mm-hmm. greatest gift that we can give each other is to ask each other's yeah. stories and then really listen to the answers. Because I, I think that there is a way that God just really longs to reflect a truth mm. about himself that he can only do through my unique story or wow. through your unique story yeah. and your, your form, if you will, or my mm. form, if you will. And when we try to emulate other people's form and we stray out of our lane and try to run a race that's not ours, we are... Um, robbing the opportunity for God to express the deep goodness of who he is in a way that he only can through who we are and who he created us to be. Mm. Mm. That's so good. That's so good. And you, you provided me with a verse and I feel like that flows with it, that Hebrews 10 and 24. Are you, can you recite that off the top of your head? Um, yes, yes. For Jeannie and Jarrett, if you are listening, of course I can. Um, I got it in front of me here, if you can. No, I, I, I have it in front of me as well. I have it in front of me as well. I um, There's there's two different versions. The mm. one that people are probably most familiar with is from um, the NIV, and it just says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Mm. But I have been really into reading the message version. Yeah. Version. Oof can't talk version (laughs) lately because it just has a unique way of phrasing and framing things that really help me to understand in a, in a new and unique way. And that says, um, so let's do it full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging Mm. love and helping out, not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on. Mm. Now, what does that mean for you, Courtney? Like, how has that verse, like, poured into your life? Yeah, I I mean, I can unpack it a little bit at a time, but I just love that it starts with, let's do it. Mm. And I think in so many ways, God has called me into a really new season of saying, all right, Courtney, like enough overthinking, enough um, comparing or enough falling into that shame spiral. Like, let's do it. I have something for you. The gun has gone off. Like we're running this race. And I love that that's immediately followed with full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's probably my favorite part of the verse, because as um, as a three and as I mentioned, someone who has this natural tendency to be like, yep, I want to present all of the favorable sides of myself mm-hmm. and then hide the messy parts, you know, <laughs> yeah. Um I love that, that assurance. Yep. I, I am presentable inside and out. The, Mm. the days that I crush the days that crush me Mm. and just keeping that, that firm grip on the promises. I mean, that speaks for itself and like God always keeping his word, him saying, Mm. I created you to be something, to do something. And I, I'm with you every step of the way I'm running this, this race with you. And my second favorite part would be just how inventive we can be mm-hmm. in encouraging, loving, helping out, spurring each other on. I think that's that's the whole point, right? That's exactly. why we do things like this so that we can get to know unique parts and unique truths of who God is through other people's stories and then 
just see how creative we can be in, in spreading that and loving, mm-hmm. loving on other people and helping them out and using their story as encouragement in our own walk. Yeah, absolutely. And like back to that first part, just the being presentable inside and out, I feel like even, even the most messy parts are the ones that need to be seen because in order for, I feel like personally, I feel like I always like, I, and I talked about this in the first episode myself, you know, my image and my self doubt and like, you know, trying to put on and a hiding behind humor and all this stuff. But it is those messy parts that is what can save somebody else. You know what I mean? Like them knowing like, man, they might see, you know, Courtney and Catherine are these awesome athletes or, you know, they were athletes in college. Like, how do I be like that? How do I walk with grace in that? How do I, you know, be successful in what, what, like how they did it. But there's a lot that I'm sure each of you, all of us had to go through behind the scenes in order to even, have the opportunity that God put in front of us to, to achieve those things. There was a lot of work being done on the inside. So can you tell me a little bit about just what that, what in this time, and it might go off of the damaging thought, but what in this time do you feel like the Lord is really absolutely like put it, pressing upon your heart to work on right now that mm-hmm. you feel like he's telling you, Courtney, this is, this is what I want you to minister in right now. Yeah, absolutely. That is such an uh, an easy answer for me. It's 100% authenticity and vulnerability. Mm. I think that, and just letting myself be seen in the mess um, yeah. and allowing myself to be seen before others and before God in mm. the mess, right? Because I think for years, what I struggled with was just not admitting that not admitting things that I was struggling with. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is my favorite quote, Mr. Mm -hmm. Rogers. I think he's the (laughs) wisest person in the world. He says, we can't, we can't change what we won't name. And so for me, just naming, yeah, I struggle to, to show up vulnerably with all sides of myself and allow myself to be seen and allow myself to be known. And I think one of it's a person I know from back home in Wisconsin, she says it super well, and it's, kind of an analogy, Mm. but she would talk about house guests showing up Mm. um, and how she's like, yep, my house is not always clean. Sometimes Mm. it looks like this because she was hosting us at the time. And she's like, sometimes it is a total mess. But she was like, you know what I tell people? I say, if you want to make an, if you want to see my house, make an appointment. But if you want to see me come by anytime. And I thought, what a great mentality to carry into how I present and show up in the world. Like if people, you know, want to, want to see this polished side, like, no, just stop by to see me. Like, don't come by to see the house, Mm -hmm. to see the perfectly clean, like (laughs) beautiful environment. No, like see the, I want people to see and get to experience the person that, that lives in it, you know? That's so good. And and how do you feel like that's been like working for you lately to to live in that way? Do you feel a sense of like relief for just like years of trying to be polished coming off your shoulders or, you know, do you what do you feel? What, what kind of um, comfort do you feel in that? 
Yeah. Well, and I'll, <laughs> I'll practice by being vulnerable in this answer mm. because it would be super easy for me to be like, and yes, like this lesson <laughs> that I have learned and now master it as I enter bravely and vulnerably into the world for everyone to see. Um, no, like I, that is a, a daily struggle and something that will be honestly my life's work to do. And I think when I mentioned seasons before, I think seasons of unhealth and health can fluctuate minute to minute in our days. Mm -hmm. I think one hour, I feel like I'm just learning and applying these lessons that God has placed on my heart. And the next hour, I'm like the Israelites in the desert who forgot everything that God has ever done. And I'm like whining and complaining again and forgetting it all. So I think there is freedom in giving myself grace to know that I'm still working on that, you know, yeah. that I'm still, um, I'm, I'm going to crush the lessons that God is teaching <laughs> me sometimes. And then I'm going to take six steps back sometimes. Yeah. And there is a lot of freedom now in giving myself permission to admit that. Like mm. even a year ago, I wouldn't have come on a podcast and admitted that to you. Yeah. I would have been like, I know yes, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I was like, let's see if Cordy even responds to this email. <laughs> Cause I know you, no. I know, I know at the end of the day, you know, it would be like, Oh, I love what you're doing. Not, you know, I'm not going to be on it, but I love it. I'll listen. <laughs> so I was like, I let's see. <laughs> but that's great, man. That's great. And, um, you know, kind of when you were going through this time where you realized, like, I, I really need to show up authentically and be vulnerable. What was that moment like for you? Like kind of that, that bottom where you realize like something needs to shift here. Something needs to change. Mm. Yeah, I think. And honestly, when I say year, it's probably been about a year and a half. Mm. I, I really think uh, changing, feeling called into ministry and working at Soul yeah. City was a, a pivotal moment of change because mm. I just realized like I cannot effectively introduce people to who Jesus is if I am not you know, being honest with myself and uh -huh. connecting with him on a personal level. I just uh -huh. can't do that. That's, that's too inauthentic and it's too hard and it, it's too exhausting. Uh -huh. Um, I think it's Mike Todd says what we, what we start without God, we have to sustain without uh -huh. him. Uh -huh. Absolutely. And I just going into ministry and realizing like, oh my gosh, this is the business of relationships and transformation and God at work. Uh -huh. Like, if I try to start that without him, I'm going to have to sustain that without him for the rest of my time in ministry. And that felt like wow. way too heavy a burden and way too exhausting. And I just felt God being like, yeah, I'm going to take that now. Like I need, mm -hmm. I need to take that now. And I try to take it back all the time, probably at least once a day, if not mm -hmm. more, I try to take it back. Yeah. But, um, at least, I feel so grateful for the spirit's work in like creating an awareness mm -hmm. of that inside of me. Mm -hmm. And what kind of people or things hold you accountable to staying authentic and vulnerable? Oh yeah. That has, God has given me a <laughs> phenomenal community of people that I work with people outside uh, of the workplace, but especially I think, at Soul City has been so transformative in there has been people, my former boss, Lauren Adams, mm. uh, my friend Stephanie Miller, uh, Fabi have just been so instrumental in being like, all right, 
that was a cute surface answer. And now tell me how you really are. <laughs> and that has just pushed me into deeper spaces. And I think once you go to those deeper spaces and you, once you have a taste of what it's actually like to be able to show up authentically mm-hmm. and yeah. to silence that voice of shame and doing so, mm. you just can't go back. You're like, oh, I just need more of this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. And do you, um, like how, how does that affect with your, you know, we talk about health and we talk about physical health, but how, how has your mental health changed in that way? How are you keeping that part of you healthy? Yeah. I mean, counseling, this is my my plug for everyone who's listening. If you are not in counseling, please go. My <laughs> counselor, every session, I'm like, you deserve a Nobel Peace Prize. Wow. <laughs> it's just, it, is, it has been so, so transformative in um, doing like doing the work of God in that space. That's one of our values at Soul City, doing the work with God so mm. that doing the work of God does not kill the work of God in us. Mm. And that's a very like, uh, we'll have to probably repeat that it's mm-hmm. um, doing your work with God so that doing the work of God does not kill the work of God in you. Mm. So still sounds I good. just think, <laughs> <laughs> well, the first time I said it, I was like, that's a lot of the work of God yeah. said about three times. <laughs> so I might want to slow it down, just give people a chance to, to process that through a second <laughs> time. But yeah, that's been really, really transformational in just pushing myself into that space mm-hmm. and giving myself the gift of, of being seen on a really deep level consistently by someone who has so much wisdom and knowledge in that area. And that's allowing the work of God to keep going on inside of me so that doing God's work just doesn't crush me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And everything you're saying right now reminds me of this past Saturday when we were in that leadership training with Jeannie. And she pretty much said, if you want to be a leader for other people, you first have to lead yourself and you have to be always asking yourself, like, where, where am I lacking? Where am I not showing Mm -hmm. up and where can I grow and where do I need to lean on God to grow? And I really love that. It's really, it first starts with working on you. Mm Yeah. And I think that was another, another big, when we're talking about catalysts, another big catalyst is as I, I started working in Soul City Kids and just had this incredible opportunity to sit across from so many people who were volunteering and participating at the church, just this light bulb went off of like, oh my gosh, people are not looking for someone to sit across from them with answers or to Mm -hmm. sit across from them and say the perfect thing. They are looking, you know, all, all we really want as people, I think, is to truly be seen and to mm-hmm. truly be accepted for who we are. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's really hard to experience that if vulnerability is one-sided. And mm-hmm. so I realized as a leader, showing up vulnerably in addition, when, when people showed up vulnerably with me, I was like, I just have to show up vulnerably yeah. with them. Like, mm-hmm. I, I can't not because mm-hmm. like, I asked myself, do I want relationships mm-hmm. that are are perfect, quote unquote, but surface level? Or do mm-hmm. I want relationships that maybe are like messy or reveal messy parts of me, but are really rich? Mm-hmm. And the answer is 11 out of 10 times, I will choose the rich yet messy relationships yeah. because mm-hmm. those are the ones I think that God has mm-hmm. the most to teach us in and to bless us in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's so true. And wow. in this past year, what, 
what has been your true north and anchoring you to staying vulnerable? Mm-hmm. And everything else aside, though, like what's your true north with 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 yourself, not from what you've learned, maybe from Soul City or running or anything. Like, what is it with yourself when you wake up day to day? Mm, that's a really good question. I think my true north for myself is just silencing that voice of shame and going back to reminding myself there is there's a way that God wants to express himself through me that if I don't show, show up vulnerably, he can't. Mm. And I do not want to be responsible for hindering the work of the spirit through my unwillingness to show up mm. as anything other than perfect. Mm. And that's my true north. So good because we just talked to a pastor yesterday who talked exactly exactly what you just said, and that's confirmation about you have to be willing first. You have to be willing, and that that is yeah. such a key thing to to bring to the table. Is we can we can like he said, you can quote scripture, do this and that, so you turn blue in the face. But you have to be willing for the Lord to work through you in order for Him to do, to to work. So I love that. I mm-hmm. love that. And again, this is, this is my, my life's work to keep at. So challenge me, remind me, (laughs) ask me, you know, Hey, how how are you doing with that? Because it's not a, it's not a one and done lesson. It's Mm -hmm. a lifelong transformational Mm. piece by piece journey with God in which we fail. And then Mm -hmm. he says, that's okay. I knew you were going to, and we're going to try again tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I love that you said that too, because I think especially for people who are, goal oriented like you think okay I have I understand this now I've achieved it and now I can cross it off my list and go to the next thing Mm -hmm. but to really surrender to the work day in and day out it takes it takes that control away from you and it 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 forces you to lean on God in that way oh absolutely absolutely and that's another part of a runner's posture is that when you're running you're supposed to um, hold your fists you're not supposed to clench your fists when you run because it tightens up your whole form and like locks everything up. And so just, yeah, literally holding everything loosely so that you can continue to move forward in the work of God. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it's called walk after falling, not run after falling. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you... I mean, maybe, maybe you might want to consider a name change after this episode. <laughs> you more than anyone knows that it's a marathon and the fact that you've done two already, you know exactly like what you're in store for. And I think you're going to do good. And I, I, I'm thankful that you are breaking down those walls of vulnerability every day. Because I'll be vulnerable with you. And I've told you this before. When I first met you, I was like, she's too nice. And it's almost <laughs> like, is she is she nice like that fake? I want to know what's behind all of that. And being your friend for as long as we've been friends, like I've been able to see those. And I've been wanting so much to, you know, when I get in my mood, like I want to go deep. I want to talk. And I am so thankful that you are doing this and breaking down those walls every day. And we'll continue to hold you accountable in that as you continue to hold us accountable to to give this opportunity to people to share their story. So I really thank you for that. Yeah. I mean, and you probably wish and you know me now well enough to know that I am 100% always ready with a sassy remark. So you probably <laughs> sometimes wish we could go back to those days when all I ever did was be like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my Lord. Yep. The, 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 oh, we don't, we don't get goodness. another yes, man. 
but oh my goodness <laughs> but no thank you so much Courtney and the and really the last thing that you know I want you to share from your heart is some words of affirmation for for those people that are listening even if it's just one person who can take away from you know bits and pieces of your story or maybe the whole thing um, what words of affirmation would you leave for them yeah, I would say that showing up vulnerably, it does not make you less than. Mm. That is the greatest lie that the enemy wants to use to prevent your growth. Wow. And so I just feel like the second I started to grasp that even a little bit, it just flipped it flipped my entire yeah. narrative and it can for other people too. Wow, that's so good. That's so good. And with that though with that in ministry and working in ministry is do you feel like it i, I know i said that was the last question but i want to know this though. <laughs> <laughs> i want to know this is it hard for people who might be thinking they might feel less than to work in ministry or be in ministry do you feel like it is hard to be vulnerable and be messy and also be in ministry or do you feel like that's exactly what it needs to be I mean, I feel like Jesus' entire earthly ministry was constantly walking into the mess. Mm. And so to people who, and bringing really messy people into the work with him. Yes. And I am one of those messy people. And mm. I think like, like, obviously that is the pinnacle. That is the example. Mm. And so I'm like, well, if like messy people are good enough for Jesus, then they're good enough for him now. And they always will be. That's good. Thank you. Thank you. And Courtney, where can people connect with you? What's the easiest place they can connect with you if they have those uh, questions in those types of uh, uh, places in their life that they're struggling in or walking in? Yeah, absolutely. And you know me, I love to connect and mm -hmm. I love a good conversation over coffee more than pretty much anything <laughs> yeah, else. So right. <laughs> I, if, yeah, I, I would love to. Um, so my email would be the the best place to start would be Courtney Felix at Full State Church. And then also on Instagram, um, you can shoot me a message there as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Courtney. We appreciate it. Uh, we've been looking forward to this and it's always nice to have uh, one of my best friends on and just have a great conversation with you. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. This was a blast and a great way to spend a, a rainy Sunday evening. For sure. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Stay well. I'll talk to you guys soon. Yeah.